<laughs> you don't think so? It won't be your first time. They'll rehire you. <laughs> yeah. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In my reading this week, I come across this. But we studied this in the when we studied the uh, ten unfulfilled prophecies before Jesus comes, that the ten prophecies have, hasn't been fulfilled. And, and, and this is part of it. I want to read these verses because they kind of go along with what we're going to uh, study today. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 2 through verse 12. It says, That ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there shall be a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now he's saying here, don't be troubled, don't be shaken. People talk about Jesus coming tomorrow, etc., etc. He said there's some things that have to happen first. First, there has to be this great falling away. And I think when we, you know, seeing our book and what we're doing in our book, we're seeing that 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 great falling away. People not having a priority for God and the things of God. Verse 4. It says, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that was one of the unfulfilled things, uh, prophecies here. We know that the... The Antichrist is going to go into the temple and declare himself to be God. That's going to be the real evident sign that the end time is here. Uh, and we did an in-depth study. And I just give you, you know, things started changing. And this prophecy, when, you know, I forgot when it was, 1995, when Congress decided to start recognizing Jerusalem as the capital, not Tel Aviv. <laughs> And all those presidents between that and Trump didn't do anything. And then Trump is the one that actually moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to, to Jerusalem. Um, but there's some things that you have to look for. Right now, the Muslims have control of the Temple Mount, where the temple would be rebuilt, where the original temple was destroyed. So control of that Temple Mount is going to be a sign. And, and at that point when we studied this, they had already raised like $350 million toward rebuilding of the temple. So we know all that is in the works. Uh, so that's things that you can listen for and see in the news, you know, is, is you know, that somebody had, that right now the Muslims have, what do they call that? The Temple of the Rock? What do they call that? Did the Muslims build on? Don't want the rock. Yeah, they, they built that on, on top of, 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 of where the, the temple was. See? And that is the great fight because when, for whatever reason, when, when, um, when the Muslims took, uh, you know, overcome Israel and, and, and took it, you know, it's been what, several hundred, maybe a thousand years. I don't remember exactly how long the Muslims have controlled that. Uh, you know, it's, it's been since, since Jesus' time. But anyway, th- those are things that we need to start uh, watching because when when that starts then we'll really know that that that, that we're in you know we, we read the scripture a few weeks ago that that we're in the last of the time there is no more time time has ran out on on the lease on earth and we're in this little sliver of time between you know, jesus coming and the and the millennial reign that, that's that's where we're at so we'll begin to see these things uh start coming coming rapidly. So let, let's read on here, verse 7. For the mystery of the iniquity doeth already work. For only he who now leadeth will let, 
I want to read, read those next few verses out of the NLT. They make more sense. Verse 7 through, okay. It says, For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it backsteps out of the way, that which is be the church. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. They will, <clears throat> then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. And that's where we're at here in America. Our, the, you call them liberals, progressives, whatever you want to call them, they're to the point, they, they believe this stuff that they're talking. They, they really believe it is truth, you know, that we're destroying the earth, you know, that, that, that men can have babies. I mean, they, they're sold out. They've been deceived so long that now they, are, they, they believe their own lies, you know. And we talked about this before that, you know, the goal is if you tell the lie long enough, then people accept it as truth. You know, that's how we got to abortion. That's how we got to gay marriage. You, you tell it long enough, then people accept it as truth. And <clears throat> it seems as though that's taking less time and less time as time goes on. Yeah. Well, you know, the length of time that we have to tell that lie to bring the truth. That's right. You know, we, we, we talked about, you know, before in our other classes, you know, that, that Satan's under great pressure because he knows he's got this little sliver of time is all he's got left. He's under great pressure to try to get done what he can get done. But, but to even, he fools himself because what's the whole thing about? See, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rule the world from Jerusalem. That's, I mean, that's what's going to happen in the millennial reign and then, then the earth's going to be destroyed with fire and it's going to be a new Jerusalem. See, so, so Satan is trying to set up a counterfeit. A one, that's what this one world government is talking about. This, this one world rule is, that is the counterfeit side. He's trying to counterfeit what, what, what Jesus has planned to do so he can claim himself to be God. But we have to remember this one thing about the devil. He's in the angelic class. He's not in God's class. See, we, we, we want to think that in our minds that the devil and God are equal and they fight in this battle. No, God, there is no class in God. We're the closest thing to the God class. We created His image. We are spiritual, free moral agents. See, we're the closest thing to, to and that's what, why Satan hates us so, because we are above his class. But the Christians, we don't understand that we're above his class, and we don't understand how to control him, and thus we let him run over us and run over our lives because we don't know what spiritual authority we have. See, But Satan's in an angelic created form. His power is limited. Uh, it's even, it's what he even had as, as, as an archangel got stripped you know, when Jesus went to, went to hell. You know, he's even less, less than he was then. You know? And we have, we have to remember, remember that. <clears throat> In the, all right. <clears throat> I want you to go to John two. I want to say this and say in this. Did you? If you read the uh, thing that Pastor gave out, it was really interesting that in Kenneth Copeland's prophecy, he mentions Baal, B A A L, the God that we're studying, the devil, demonic pre presence we're studying now. He mentions 
that by by name uh, uh, God did through him. <clears throat> as we as we go into twenty three, you know, it, it's probably going to be a real tumultuous year. A lot of change, a lot of things going going on. <clears throat> and I want you to take the, the, this scripture here and begin to let it be be part of you. John chapter ten. Is that what I said? Did I say John 10? Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. John 10, verse 2. I get it right. <clears throat> but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth them forth, his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. It's going to be important this year that we learn to under, hear the voice of God. I got where I, I, I say this every day. Jesus, I thank you. I hear your voice. I, I, I'm keen to your voice. I, I'm, I'm understanding. All right. It takes time to understand somebody's voice, right? I mean, most of you have been around, we've been around each other so long that if somebody calls somebody, you don't really have to ask who it is. Why? You're familiar with that voice. But we're not that familiar with God's voice. See, God's going to start in the beginning by giving you, it's, it's going to generate down here in, in your human spirit, impressions, you know, nudges, emptiness, you know, peace. You know, those kind of feelings is, is, is how he begins to guide in the beginning. You know, how, how, the Bible says, what, what's the first thing you do? You check for peace. How do I feel in here? Am, am, I, am I rolling around a little bit? Am, am I a little anxious? Am I a little nervous? That, that tells you, that unsettledness tells you that, am I right or am I wrong? See, we, we don't need to proceed with a decision if we got that little unsettledness. In there, we need to have that peace. He said, "Let peace rule." See, when I got <clears throat> peace, then I'm confident I'm making the right decision. See, but when I'm in a little bit of turmoil, I'm a little bit anxious. That's caution. That's that, that yellow light flashing. See, hey, caution, caution, caution. With what you're doing here, caution, caution. Pay attention here, you know, because this decision you're fixing to make might not be the right one. See, all right, but then. You begin to to, to, to to hear that that inner voice as you mature, and that you begin to hear that 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 inner voice where where and it won't be here. See, you have to try to, and I, I do this a lot. Try to make myself focus here because it will be here, here, then the thought, and you will know the exact difference. You, you, it, may, it may sound a little confused, but you will know it exactly when it happens. That that thought didn't come outside in. It wasn't this world or these circumstances. Given me that. It come from inside. It come out of my spirit being. It come up and in. Because the Bible says in Job 32.6 that you've been given that spirit of intelligence. See? And you need to say, oh, I've got a spirit of intelligence. I know what to do. I know how to handle this. See? And begin to practice. Practice. Ask him, you know, when you go into Walmart, where, where, where's them Oreos at? What aisles them Oreos at? You know? John 32.6. John 32.6. It really explains it good in the NLT, that John 32.6. I'll just read it to you. 
We didn't know her. You didn't know you had a spirit of intelligence, did you? Uh, I said Joe. I meant to say Job. I think I said John, didn't I? It's actually verse 8. But there is a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them, that makes them intelligent. <laughs> so it's 32.8. I want get it, to get it, get it right. And, but anyway, begin to, begin to practice that. Uh, you know, and, and, and I've been doing it for two or three, four months now. You know, trying, trying to, you know, because you've got to remember this too now. The information comes from the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is our advocate, our intercessor. See, so 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 we we ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, what should I do about this? Or Jesus, what is the answer to this? Or how should I handle this? See, see, and, and just like you would talk to your mate, that's how you talk to your mate, right? But is Jesus your brother or not? Hmm? See, you got to remember, you got to raise yourself up and realize where, where, that you know where, where we at in the kingdom. See, Jesus is our brother. You would you you would talk to your brother in holier than thou, Lord, Lord, thou is theist, huh? <laughs> he probably wants to even spoke regular English, but that's, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. I'm just glad you can't take. <laughs> but, see, but, but but Jesus, what was what? Why was Abraham so communicative with with with, with because he was his friend, right? See, you got he's your brother, he's your friend. You got to develop that relationship because he he died to to give you the answer to these problems you got in your life. He he died for you to know the secret to to unravel that thing in your life. See, he's got that information. But what do we do? We spend all our time praying. As soon as we get through talking, what do we do? We get up and walk off. That's not conversation. The prayer, it, the word prayer, if you tell it, means conversation, two way conversation. See, and here I heard a fellow say this, and it made sense, made sense to me. He said, I laid and bawled and squalled on the floor all afternoon, and I finally realized here lies a fool that knows nothing, doing all the talking to somebody that knows everything. <laughs> so we have to learn to hear that voice. And I'll tell you a funny story. Because this stuff happens. Me and Angie were, were out doing some errands yesterday, and I said, Hey, you want to eat here or here? I said, Which one are we closest to? She go give Google the first one. She said, It's. 15 minutes that way. And then I just heard, and she started, Gary's orchestra shack was the other. She, she put Gary's, and I just heard inside, five miles. She googled up, she said, it's only five miles to Gary's. I said, I knew that. I just heard that, that it was five miles to Gary's. And I mean, you, you begin to get that information, see, but you have to practice it and, you know, and, and then begin to realize, oh, that was that voice. It wasn't my voice. Because when, when it first starts happening, what do you think? Well, was that me? Was that the devil? Or was that God? I don't know. See, that uncertainty because we don't know the voice, see. But, you, but the more you spend time with it, the more you know it, and the more you're sure of it. And once you get sure of it, then you'll have, that's when faith comes and you don't have any problem acting on it. We're hesitant because we don't really, we're not really for sure, see. And we're never going to get for sure till we make this part of our life. This is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to pursue this information till I get it right, you know. Because you think about all them bad mistakes that you've made that you, if we understand this, we don't have to make them. But now another problem that I have, I get going so fast, I don't take time to ask. Then you look back and say, man, 
I didn't even pray about that. I didn't even ask him about that. You know, then you get out there in it and you already made the mess. You know, but that's part of that's part of learning. In there. All right, I'll get off my soapbox this morning. <laughs> I think sometimes though the the harder we try to listen and and know that it's God, the harder mm-hmm. the devil plants that Mm-hmm. That's right. But that's right. I read this other verse, uh, Miss Lee. Maybe I should read it again. Verse 5 in John 10 says, See, see the Holy Spirit's going to protect you in, in your learning process. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee, for they know not that voice of a stranger. He's going to help you stay away from that strange, deceptive voice when, when you're learning, just like you do your babies, right? When they were young, you kept them away from certain things that, until they could learn. See, and then when they learn what, then they come become responsible. See, and when you learn this, you become responsible for it. See, then if you follow it wrong, who's it on? It's on me. All right. So you have to remember that. And you have to say, look, hey, I ain't gonna follow no stranger. I'm not gonna get caught following the wrong thing here. And and, and just begin to practice it. In that. All right. Very. Uh, we're going to do some skipping around this morning. On page 55, that's where we stopped last week. Page 55, that second paragraph. It says, One's God is that which is one's ultimate reality. Therefore, it cannot be questioned. So there now arose new movements, causes, ideologies, and systems of thoughts that could not be challenged or questioned. So now, we see this. When people start questioning these movements and questioning people's pronouns, what happens? They try to cancel them. Right? They wipe those those voices that would go against what they want. They they cancel them out. Isn't it? If you disagree, they, they go after you. And then you've seen some people, especially in Hollywood, that, that have stood up and said, you, you know, I don't care what you do. Right's right, wrong's wrong. If you want to counsel me, counsel me. And I've seen most of them seem like they've come right back and really had no, had no issues from, from standing up. And it just takes two or three to start standing up for more and more and more and more to start standing up. It says, fabrication of the truth. And this is the reason I read that in 2 Thessalonians. The spirit of Baal works toward altering perception or changing how we see things. That's what the spirit of Baal is trying to do to America, to our youth, is change the way we see things. You know, 10 years ago, we could have never failed for this, I may not get it right, LGBTQ, did they get it all right? The gay marriage. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have failed for that. But now, ten years of of putting it out there, putting it out there, putting it out there, now it has changed perception of the public. See, right? It says, "Where there is one God, there is an ultimate and objective reality, a unifying <laughs> reference, a unifying reference point, and a standard by which all can be discerned, measured, and judged." That's what the Bible had gave, gave us all these years. Where there is God, there is truth. But where there is more than one God or many gods or Baals, the door is open to many truths, conflicting truths, and thus no truth. 
When one makes an idol, one is fabricating one's own God and thus one's own ultimate reality and one's own truth. But when one creates truth, truth becomes a fabrication and ceases to be the truth. But that's what we've seen. You know, you, you, you see these people arguing about and I just can't, I because I ain't maybe the smartest person in the room, but I, I just can't get this men having baby thing. I, I just can't get it in my head. But, you know, you see these people on TV, they just arguing with every <coughs> breath they got that it, you know, just because I'm a woman and I call myself a man, that don't mean that a man's having a, 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 a baby. And, but, but they get so <clears throat> detached from reality that they don't even know what reality is anymore. See? And, and that's where, where this is taking us. But you just got to think now. In, in this environment, because you got to think about spiritual multiplication. All right? On our side, if one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand to flight, then the reciprocal of that is what? One person on the wrong side can draw a thousand and two can draw ten thousand. Because, because everything in the spirit world is reciprocal, see? See, you don't know you know love because you know hate. If you didn't understand hate, you wouldn't know what love is. Did you see the reciprocal? See? See, if you didn't know what south was, you wouldn't know what north is. Without south, <clears throat> north means nothing. That reciprocal, see, and you have to remember everything you read in the Bible. Ain't you, to you, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you best start with her take the left and right. Just do that first. <laughs> I still have to think sometimes. Maybe I'm the only one who does that. Some of this left, right, left, left. And this, this is left. I give directions. Sometimes what I have to do, I have to do it like this while I'm telling somebody about directions. <laughs> this is right. <laughs> Am I the only one who has to do that? <clears throat> I still get confused. <laughs> and that does not surprise me. I don't know why, but that does not surprise me. <laughs> you don't let her navigate here. No. <laughs> Y'all don't make me lose my train of thought now. I don't know what I, was, I don't know what I was gonna say now. What was we talking about? Reciprocals. Uh, reciprocals. Let's go. We were talking about reciprocals. <laughs> See, so you have to understand when when you read the Bible, you have to try to understand as much as what's not said is what is said. See, because this is the good news. He's gonna always give us the God side of the equation. But in spiritual law, you've got to understand what the other side of that equation is. See, Like I said, if, if, if on our side a one put a thousand to flight, then on the other side one can draw a thousand. See, so, and, and, and when you see that spiritual multiplication, you can see how, much, how many demonic forces can be drawn in, in such a very quick time. And that's why we can see some of these ideologies travel so fast and gain such so it snowballs so, so fast because you have to understand the spiritual law. And sometimes you just got to get in your recliner at home and just push it back and, 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 and give yourself time to, to, to think, okay, what's going on here? You know, what, what was the Bible? What, what is the thought process I need to have about whatever, whatever it is? Push it back and start, start, start thinking about these spiritual laws. Because everything, everything has a cause and effect. See? The, the, you do this, but most of the time, that's probably what our, what our government most of the time, they do this, but they don't understand that this is the repercussions of doing this. They don't see it down the road. See, and, and, and you just talk about, about uh, I'm, I'm not against 
government help welfare when I say this. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not, I'm not against that that at all. But that's that's one concept the government missed it. They think money will solve their problems. It's a good thing they're trying to do, but it's it's not the money that's the issue. It's the thought process. What do I do when I get the money? That's the issue. Because you can give them all the money in the world, if you don't change the way they're thinking, they're still going to be just as broke as they was when you before you gave them the money. See, so it's not a money issue. It's a thought teaching issue of what money is and how to value money and how to handle money. That is the issue. You get that first, then you give them money. Because what was the system when Roosevelt developed it? It was to help people who lost their job hold on until they could get another job. It was never meant to be a long-term dependency that we've made it. But when you stop teaching people about it... because it's the church's responsibility to handle the poor. It's not the government. We get specific instructions in this Bible. It's our responsibility to handle the poor. The church through business people. What does the Bible say? You don't glean the edges of your fields. You save that for the poor. So they can come glean it. Oh, that boy comes through this year and he pulls them ears of corn. Then he can show up your door next year and say, Hey, I gleaned the ears of your corn, the corners of your fields last year. I got some experience. Will you hire me this year? See, the pro- that's the process that the church is supposed to take is we're supposed to train these, help them, train them, and then expect them to go do something, see? And, and, and that's the problem. It's not the money. It's, it's up here. And you see people that got jobs every day that ain't got walking around since it comes to money. They make a pile of money and they, they just broke all the time. See, it's not the money. It's the way they think about money. Okay. All right, the last paragraph. No, I'm sorry, the middle paragraph. I got a couple. I was already in that middle paragraph. It says, and when one creates or holds one's own truth, truth ceases to be. Two plus two cannot equal four for one person and five for another. So one of the signs of Baal's subversion of a culture is that culture will turn away from objectivity to subjectivity. What's the difference? Objectivity is a lack of favor. Objectivity means I'm, I'm neutral. I'm looking at both sides. We weigh in it. We, we, you know, the subjectivity is based on personal feelings, opinions, influence. So that's how we went. We went from from common sense, as we call it in the South, which is objectivity, you know, to all this craziness because that's how they feel. That's how they think about it. In there. So as so as America and Western civilization turned away from God, they began undergoing a process of subjectification. And they moved away from truth. They moved away from the concept of truth itself and that there was any truth to begin with. This transformation affected language. Truth was now what was true for the individual. If a man believed he was not himself but was someone or something other than he was, a child, a woman, a leopard, a tree, there was no ultimate or absolute truth, any truth, no object, objective reality to contradict his own personal truth. If one's personal <coughs> truth contradict reality, then it was reality that would have to come into conformity. I thought about this I've been hearing this, and I never even knew what it was. You ever heard of Project 1619? Some of y'all may know what it is. I didn't know what it is. It's the new thing that they're they, they trying to, to, to get to teach in schools. It's really they're rewriting history 
uh, and starting it in 1619 when supposedly the first slaves got here, and they rewrite history from that perspective. And, and, you know, history is supposed to be actual factual events, not perception. But the 1619 project is changing it into perception and 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 was it was it called whiteism or what do they call them them words? So I did a little bit of reading on that to figure. You know, that's one of the things you know that they're trying to make what was reality. They're trying to conform it into what they want it to be, not what it what it really was. There's also a movie or a TV show now called the 1619 Project. Yeah. It's on Hulu and it's about about that. We're history. Alright. We're going to do some skipping here. Um, let's go over to page... The next chapter 14 is the Masters. And some of this we've already covered, so we're just going to hit some highlights uh, so we don't have to duplicate a lot, of, a lot of time here. It says, They will become like them. The book of Psalms reveals a page 62. Is that what I said? What is wrong with y'all this morning? Y'all can't follow nothing? Phil knew exactly where it was, didn't he? Is he? Y'all got to get it together this morning. Maybe Miss Edge didn't give me my medicine this year. The book of Psalms reveals a profound truth concerning the dynamic between the worshiper and the idol. Their idols have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. Those who make them are like them. Right. I want to step to this last sentence in, in that paragraph. And so computers become more human, and those joined to them become less and less so, or less and less human. The ancient warnings of Scripture have foretold <laughs> those who made them had become like them. If you notice now, these, these, these guys, I reckon gals too, they sit around and play these war-killing video games, and they just absorbed, and it has taken the feeling, feeling ain't the right word. They don't value life. They become desensitized to it completely. Becomes, desensitized would be the right word. They become desensitized to life. And see, therefore, it's, it's not the gun that's causing our problems. It's the people they don't value life. They don't see any difference in, in killing you than killing a cat or killing somebody on, on the video game. They, they don't score any, any difference. That's what this is saying, that the computer generation has made us, has taken away that, inter you know, a lot of kids now can't interact with other people. All they do is go home, play video games. They they can't interact. They don't have any social skills, you know. And so we have when you begin to take in the human element out of it, you know. And, and then then you get on the other side. Those that don't play video games, I call them snowflakes. Or the, I don't know where that word come from, but I like you know they just melt with any opposition. They don't they don't have any any backbone, any doggone it about them, you know. That 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 generation of of what would it be? In the mid twenties now, early thirty generation, uh, you know they, they they don't have any 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 social skills, you know. Uh, and I told the story. I got got somebody in my family, you know, it's had three different jobs. They quit them because the boss talked ugly to them, you know. Well, you ain't never gonna keep a job, you know. You just mailed it. Any kind of conflict, you know. We we we've lost that ability, you know. Anybody's gonna do anything in life 
for your family or anything, you got to have some doggone it about you. Sometimes it's just stacked against you and you just got to buckle up and one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, you know, and just, just mutter through it till, till it till it changes, you know. But they don't know, they don't have any problem solving skills, they can't navigate it. And I wonder, I'm not talking about this when I say this, I mean, some of you may think I am, you know. But 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 I, but I wonder when when now uh, and it's easy to do, you know that 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 phones and <coughs> and iPads have become babysitters. You know they've become babysitters. So 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 are we really changing the next generation any different than the generation that just come up? There may not be video games on there, but I don't I don't know what they watch or what you know. But I noticed that we talked about it last week. You know you can't even let them watch cartoons anymore. They so slanted. You know, to, to, to all this stuff is indoctrination stuff. You can't hardly even let them watch that. So, you know, I don't know if this generation here is going to be any, any different. You know, at some point, parents got to teach kids how to behave and not give them something to entertain them so it takes the responsibility off me trying to do something. Because eventually they're going to get out in public and they're going to know how to behave. You know, if they will or public will make them behave. I mean, you know, as what my dad was telling me, you think you something, but there's always somebody better than you. Don't think how bad you are. You gonna somebody's gonna be worse than you, isn't it? I, I was hard headed. I had to find that out. My aunt, well, but there is. There's always somebody, somebody that's tougher than you. And all right. The next chapter is the ark. We're gonna skip that because it's kind of just like the bull. It was in the same, the same place. The golden calf, chapter sixteen. I want to hit this, and I really want to get to chapter seventeen. It's what. That's where we really start getting into what's going on in America. Because he's taken that these idols that, that Israel used, the bull, the calves, the, the things that they created and worshipped because of Baal, he's showing how they have been introduced into America, and America is following the same footsteps that, that ancient Israel followed. That's before he gets into a lot of this other stuff, abortions and things like that. He's 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 trying to let us see what's going on uh, in America. So he talks about the face of Moses here. So there's another element from the apostasy apostasy at Sinai, the face of Moses gazing down in anguish at his nation's fall. There is on Capitol Hill in the chamber where the house of representatives convenes a face. It's a unique face. The only face, full-faced representation in the chamber. In fact, all the other faces in profile are turned to it. It is the face of Moses. It gazes down at the speaker's podium. It looks down at the chamber's proceedings, voting and passing of legislation, and at the State of the Union address on the president. I didn't know that. Did anybody know that? I didn't realize that. That they had Moses in there. in there. The face of Moses also appears on the wall of the nation's highest court. The most prominent figure on the Supreme Court's eastern side is that of Moses holding the two tablets just as he did in the mountaintop on the day of the golden calf. The tablets appear as well on the doors that lead out into the Supreme Court chambers. So as Moses looked down on Israel's apostasy from Mount Sinai, he now looks down from Capitol Hill and the nation's highest court. He looked down on the House of Representatives when it sought to enact laws that warred against the laws of God. 
He looked down on the president when he sought to, to advance an agenda to overturn the ways of God. Now, this is where I want to get to this, this days of the golden calf. And he looked down from the Supreme Court when the Ten Commandments in the hand at the Supreme Court struck down the Ten Commandments in the public square. Now I wonder about this. Why, why if they take it down, why didn't they take it down in Congress and take it down in the Supreme Court if they took it down everywhere else? Why is it still there? Huh? I probably don't realize it's up there. But I just thought, because I got to realize this, you know, you you, you, you have to, yeah, you, you, you can't have it in the, in the, in the, in downtown Ayrton, you can't have it, but, but then, but they left it in, in these places. Yeah, that's true. They make rules and exempt themselves from them. That's, that's, that's true. In the, so he looked down on the podium in the house chamber when the officiate dedicated the new Congress to the pagan god Brahma. I learned this this week, and some of y'all may already know this too. You know, and somebody kept telling me I need to read them, and I hadn't done it yet. Both parties, Republican and Democrats, have a platform, which is the ultimate goal of that party. What that party's going or wants to accomplish. I didn't realize that one of the platforms <clears throat> in the 2008 Democratic <clears throat> Convention, that they, they took God out of their platform. The reference to God, the talk of God, all of that is out of the Democratic platform. And there are no references to God. You know, you can be what you want to be, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. I, I didn't realize that that party had, had, had taken God out of, out, of, out of one of their chief goals. The nation that had been founded after the pattern of ancient Israel had now fallen after the pattern of Israel's fall. It had turned from God and given itself to God. Darkness had become light. Light had become darkness. Sin was now holy, and holiness was now sin. Can I get amen on that? Amen. Everything was inverted. And Baal, the god of inversion, had done it. He had worked his dark magic. And the words of the prophets concerning ancient Israel now spoke to America and Western civilization. They had forgotten his name for Baal. That which had been consecrated to God at its inception was now possessed by the enemy. For it could not be forgotten that the name of Baal also meant possessor. Well, now we can get, let's go to chapter 17. We can get started in what this whole book is supposed to be about. The second god of the dark trinity was a sheep. The possessor was the first one, Baal. Well, I guess we'll pick it up there next week. <laughs> if y'all was... Hey, do you know we had a gentleman come talk to the kids the other day, and I'm teaching all night straight this semester. He said, how many of y'all on your social media 